Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Um, best day of my life. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of the Late Night Ramble. We've been on a hiatus for about 10 days now. Obviously, Villa haven't had many games, but we're back with a bang, back with a very special guest. We've got Daryl Mitchell here. Hi, Daryl. How are you doing? Good evening. How are you doing? Good, mate. Good. Can I call you Can I call you Mitch? Mitch, yeah, absolutely. Everyone, everyone calls him Mitch apart from my mum, I think. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, right, Daryl don't Darryl. come out very often, <laughs> unless I'm in trouble. <laughs> Mitch, uh, as most of you know, is, is former captain of Worcestershire uh, Cricket Club, County Cricket Club, uh, current chairman of uh, PCA, the Professional Cricketers Association, massive and ardent Villa fan, uh, a bit of a practical joker as well, I hear as well. So uh, we'll be we'll be talking about plenty of things today, I'm sure. Um, we'll be talking about his cricket career, uh, the impact of COVID on cricket and football, obviously it's a hot topic at the moment uh, with Villa uh, having a couple of games postponed because well four games well three games in total postponed from it uh, and then touching on the the game obviously on Wednesday against Man City and then obviously it wouldn't be a late night ramble without a uh, another edition of Didier Six so uh, Mitch has got three of his picks ready to go uh, we've had we've had our last late night ramble actually we had our only second person to get all three into room 101 so you're uh, pressure's on. the pressure's on yeah yeah so <laughs> only two people have done it all season uh, quite a lot I got two out of three but uh, we'll see if you can get three out of three. But uh, well, Mitch, I suppose let's just before we start, how's uh, how's uh, lockdown been for you and all this COVID pandemic? How's it how's it impacted you? Um, yeah, it's impacted quite a bit. I've obviously the, the fir- first time round, um, obviously cricketers and pay cuts and things like. That. Obviously, I've been heavily involved in those sort of discussions as as PCA chair. Uh, obviously, the season was was disrupted. We didn't get going until first of eight, uh, first of August, so missed four months. Um, so yeah, it's, it's had a big impact on me and, and on cricket. Um, fortunately, the PCA role kept me busy in that in that lockdown. It would have been a nightmare, I think, with the with the wife and kids with nothing to do. So uh, yeah, fortunately, that sort of I don't know if it was lucky or unlucky to be in that post. Obviously, it was quite a quite stressful time, but at the same time, it, it sort of got me through the days really, and I, I got up with a purpose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just the T20 that was that was on last year, wasn't it? Was, I think it was uh, we played there. like a, it wasn't a county championship. We played a four day tournament. Um, called the Bob Willis Trophy. It was a short, shortened version, effectively groups of six. We played five games as opposed to the normal sort of fourteen in the league. Yeah, it must have been really weird, uh, really, really weird time for for you all. What were you doing with with your time then? When, when you were, apart from obviously the PCA role, um, were, you, were you still managed to get into to a cricket nets? Were you allowed to? Were you allowed no, to so we we were completely furloughed, so we were off, um, no cricket related activity whatsoever. Um, we did a thing called um, it was to the Rapids Relay for Acorns Children's Hospice. So um, uh, basically, we did a relay for about a week. I think it was in total, sort of. I think it was eight till eight till six in the evening, where we were, somebody was running at all times for an hour. So I did three or four legs of that over the course of the week, uh, just to try and keep fit and obviously raise raise a few quid for a, for a decent cause. Um, and then yeah, not a lot other than that. Luckily, the weather was good, wasn't it? So I managed to read a few books in the garden with my shirt off and and top at the tan. Fortunately, that was about it. <laughs> good work, not bad, not bad. How about the winter months? Obviously, um, a lot of cricketers tend to go abroad, play there um, to, to keep cricket going. What, what's it been like for you? And what do you normally do? What's your normal routine like in, in the winter months? Um, so, yeah, so winter training, really, as much as anything. Um, um, obviously, been impacted. We're in small groups, groups of four, like our own little bubbles that we, we only do the gym work, all the uh, all the cricket stuff with uh, the same same guys. So you're not in the, in the big group like we normally are. So you miss a few of the lads that you normally spend a bit of time with. But um, so that, that's, that's a bit different. We normally have um, probably half a dozen, eight or so. At the sort of squad of twenty that go away and play club cricket in either South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. Obviously, none of that's happened this year for for obvious reasons with the travel restrictions, etc. So, um, yeah, it's it's had a bit of an impact, but we've we've fortunately managed to keep going. Um, elite sport is is we're still allowed to train at the moment, so we're not on lockdown. So we're going in in training in those bubbles, like we said. So um, yeah, there's still still a bit going on from a from a cricket perspective. 
what are, what are your sort of hopes and expectations for the for the season upcoming? Um, obviously, it's difficult to know what it's going to look like right now because we're obviously at the, the peak of the second or third lockdown in the pandemic. What, what, what have been the earlier discussions so far around that? Yeah, well, I think um, it's still full steam ahead for sort of, I think it's the 7th of April. We start 8th of April, something like that. We're down at Essex. Um, as far as we're aware, that's that the plan for a full season. I think likelihood is it'll probably start behind, behind closed doors with... Um, prospect of crowds returning later in the summer um i think they're hoping to get up to 50 percent for sort of the uh 50 crowds by the time t20 comes around which would be good to get get a few fans back in the grounds and obviously a few few uh a few gate receipts going back into the coffers obviously all sports have suffered from from a financial point of view so it'd be good to get get bums on seats and get um get a, get a bit of money spent in in the grounds around the country that's that's for sure yeah i mean i suppose cricket cricket especially you know given the well compared to football the tv revenue you know a lot of it comes from t20 doesn't it and without that it, it yeah very suffer. very much i mean cr- cricket's bankrolled on, on on the england team really um and and the funds that drip down from from the ecb to all the counties so getting the uh getting the um the um international sort of um all the all the tours that went ahead last summer was, was pivotal really probably um we were looking staring down the barrel losing about 380 million i think as a game as a whole but we get, getting those international things um, games up and running on sort of that sort of mitigated any big losses in well I say big losses is still probably lost about 100 million roughly but it could have been a hell of a lot worse and um, fortunately I think most county clubs are, are still still going going okay um, I wouldn't say they're financially in a great position nor is everybody anybody else are they at this point in time I guess but um, still running still got 18 counties and hopefully things will be a bit brighter this summer and we can get back to somewhere near normality that'd be good yeah definitely um i mean I'm, I'm a massive cricket fan as are everyone in the villa talks podcast uh we've actually chad Zhu, who's one of the guys who presents with me is a commercial director of the barmy army so oh, fantastic. He's, he's a big he's a big gutted at the moment because obviously this time last year he was abroad with the england team and he would have been in sri lanka now but yeah i see i, I keep seeing a couple of videos on social media there's one guy called randy who's out there yeah. he's a lone ranger <laughs> yeah. of the barmy army still on the fort singing jerusalem and stuff which is absolutely amazing is it brilliant to see so they're still they're still there if, even if it's only uh in smaller numbers than normally one person but they're still there the barmy army which is great yeah i saw root saluted him when he got his uh his ton didn't he yeah awesome. fantastic yeah, yeah fair play fair play to him that's a dedication i think i read that he was there obviously last march and when it got cancelled, he just waited until they, until they played again. <laughs> that, that I was is, thinking, well, doesn't he have a job? What, I don't know. What is he? How is he able to wait there? He amazing. That is un- un- unbelievable it? commitment. Dedication. Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. Dedication. Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. Good. Good way of being able to afford it. I'd have thought, but yeah, I know, fair yeah, play. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose looking at the season ahead before we talk about football, and then obviously your career. What What are your hopes for for Worcester this season and Worcestershire this season in terms of? The long form and the short form in the game. Yeah, we, we we were sort of opposite last year. I mean, we we we've obviously had some really good T twenty performances in in two thousand eighteen and nineteen. Got to the final on both occasions, winning it winning it in two thousand eighteen, runners up in two thousand nineteen. Um, and our four day stuff was bang average, if we're being brutally honest. To be perfect, um, uh, but last year was was the opposite. We 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 sort of Mo and, Mo and Ali didn't play in the T twenty, which is a huge loss for us. Obviously, he's our captain and. Bats in the top three and bowls his overs every game. So he was a big loss. He didn't play any games in the T20. And we, we, we didn't have our overseas players either. Again, obvious, obvious reasons with the pandemic. So that, that, that hurts a lot as a relatively small, small club with a small squad. Um, so our performance in the T20 was poor. So some getting back to, back to where we were, I think is, is, is paramount in that competition. Um, but on the other hand, we, we, we played some really good red ball cricket in, in the four day stuff. We were, we, um, we competed well. We we nearly got to Laws and into the into the Bob Willis Trophy final. We just lost to Somerset in our last group game, unfortunately, which is sort of a bit of a winner takes all. Uh, but it was a really good game of cricket. Competed with those, which are probably arguably certainly the top two best teams in the country. So we made some good strides in Red Bull cricket. So hopefully we can continue that forward and uh, and perform well in the four day stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I remember the, I remember the T Twenty finals especially. Uh, uh, well, probably I haven't told you this, but I've always been a closet Worcester fan. Uh, because um, Moen and Cabby Ali, their dads are, were really good friends with my dad growing yeah, up. So they fantastic. played cricket together. So family friends. So I've always had a special place for Worcestershire and, uh, in, our, well, in our family's house anyway. So it was great to see, obviously, you playing that final in 2018. Um, I mean, would you say that was probably the highlight of your career looking back? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we don't, we don't, we, I mean, we, the, 
the Worcester Warwickshire games are always big games. You probably get sort of fifteen to twenty thousand most times for the T Twenty games at Edgebaston. Um, but that was that was something else. Something I'd never experienced on finals day. Both both occasions, even the one we lost, you sort of look back now and think, what an amazing day we won. We won the the, the year we didn't didn't win it. We won the semi final off the last ball, and then we um, we lost the final off the last ball, unfortunately. But the atmosphere and and being a part of both both occasions, obviously the best ones when you win, but being part of both days is something that I'll, I'll remember forever and something that I'll certainly cherish. Yeah. I mean, what would you, what would you say you prefer then in, in terms of, uh, in cricket, you know, for the sort of the longer form of the game, yeah, or T20 or, or 50 over, what, what would you say is your it, preference? It's really, uh, definitely not 50 over. Can't stand it. It's too long. Don't enjoy it at all. Um, I, I think my, my skill set is probably, um, certainly in a, from a batting point of view is very much geared towards four day cricket that's sort of what I grew up doing that's probably where I've had most of my success so I love the the purest form of the game and and, and the long and the longest format um, but certainly the the I know it's sitting on the fence but the buzz you get from playing in T20 with the big crowds the music the fireworks etc that's that's something I really enjoy as well I, I tend to be more of a bit of a bowler in, in T20 cricket at the moment than a batter so um different roles for me in, in the different formats I enjoy, enjoy them both um, for different reasons I guess yeah 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 definitely yeah I mean I, I agree I think 50 over cricket's just it's become uh, a bit neutralised now isn't it because of the 2020 uh, format of the game um, it's always those middle overs and 50 over isn't it that they tend to drag on a little bit uh, where you'd, you know, you'd have the likes of like I remember Bevan for Australia and, and players like that who just build their innings around that sort of middle over but now I think as a, as a fan watching it it just does drag on compared to 2020 and when yeah. Test cricket is just so enthralling no matter what's happening yeah I it? mean obviously the World Cup win sort of it had a little bit of a bounce off that effect England played some brilliant 50 over cricket over the last four or five years which has been awesome to watch but I think from a player's point of view or certainly from my point of view um it, it it just it just lacks it's almost the third competition really I think as a play the, the the pinnacle of our sport is is Test match cricket and Ashes Tests I feel I think most players would say the same um, so you're striving towards that playing county championship cricket trying to obviously get selected for England and score as many runs as you can sort of the purest form and then on the the T20 I think is 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 our sort of I guess our, our match day experience from a Premier League football type of view it's our comparative comparative stuff and. Um, it's a real buzz and, and, and really enjoyable format. And the 50 overs sort of lost its way a little bit in sort of in terms of relevance, I guess, from compared to compared to the other two. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? I've grown up the sort of early mid-90s, uh, the 50 over tournaments, watching like Warwickshire win and, and teams like that. And it, was quite, it was quite exciting, but obviously it's just changed massively now. Obviously, the new format of the game that we're looking to bring in, obviously got hit by COVID, was the, the 100 game. Yeah. Uh, what, what are your thoughts around that and then bringing that in do yeah you think it's, i mean it's, it's, it's a bit too much or yeah i mean i mean obviously the, the cries for what's is there a need for another f- format in cricket i mean obviously i've played 40 over cricket we had the old sunday league was 40 overs as well so that's yeah. another format we threw in there at one point um i mean it's a bit of a gimmick obviously it's different it's different teams with these um sort of they're not they don't like to call them franchises but that's effectively what they are different city-based sides and um um i think differentiating from the the county T20 blast was probably a big priority for those and having something different. So I don't think England can sustain two, two T20 tournaments. So trying to have different formats, I think probably that's the rationale behind it and make things simpler with a hundred ball was the sort of the reasons they were given, but I'm not, not, not too convinced by that. But I think um, as a game, we've got to get behind it. It needs to be a success um, from a, from a finance point of view. And um, I think it'll be, be a brilliant spectacle. Certainly, there's some big name players that are going to be playing in that competition for the various sides. And um, I think from a from a skill set point of view, I played in a few of the trial games, and it's no different to T20 cricket. It's still, the best players will be the ones who can smack it out of the park, and the best bowlers ones that we can it can change their pace up and hit hit the Yorkers when they want it will. So uh, I don't think from a from a skill set point of view, it would be any different to T20 cricket. But I think it will be a good spectacle. Do you, I mean, do you think the overall level of players now has, has massively improved because of these new short formats of the game in terms of how people play the game now compared to what they did, say, 10, 15, 20 years ago or longer? Yeah, certainly. I think the the biggest... When I first started, we were only on seven-month contracts. So I think professionalism's come into the game, um, strength and conditioning, that kind of thing. So the speed, the agility, particularly in the field, I think it's probably where you notice it more than ever. I think the, the standard of fielding now is is 100 times better than than, than when I started. Um, 
I think there's the skill sets and people are hitting 360 degrees around the wicket now, the scoops and the di- and the reverse scoops and the dinks over people's heads. And that was never done before. So the skills, skill base for batters in particular in that scenario, I think it's gone through the roof as well. But I, I do think actually it's probably in some ways had a, had a de- detrimental uh, effect to some um, techniques in four-day cricket and that sort of thing. So I don't think necessarily four-day cricket standards as high as it perhaps was. 10 years ago when I was sort of first started playing but I do mm. think that the overall skill level of certainly in white ball cricket is is chalk and cheese to what it was when back in the day uh, all those years ago when I sort of started playing so I mean looking back at your career then obviously we've talked about 2018 and the, the, the final year after what else have been some of your personal highlights uh, obviously in your your maiden uh, test century well, actually you got 298 and your was <laughs> your maiden test century which was an amazing <laughs> feat and so I think it's the fifth highest score Worcestershire players ever got I mean would you say that is number one yeah. what, are, what, are the, what are the moments yeah I mean that that was obviously from a personal point of view that was that's my high score that was that was that was um pretty incredible and for, it was a drawn game though I think it always takes a shine off it I always probably look back on some of the other other hundreds I've scored where we've won games and I scored one at Nottingham uh they were top of the league we were second in division two um I got 130 not out in the second innings and we won the game and I think that's probably one of my best innings I've played I think and um, we went on. To, we beat them in that game. Went top and went on to win the division. Um, so to win the trophy, I think that's there. They're the most important parts. I think is, is, is contributing personally, but then going on to win a game or to win a competition. I think they're they're the, they're the sort of moments you you treasure the most. And we won the Pro Forty actually in two thousand seven. That was a that was a big highlight as well for me. And now with your role as chairman of the PCA, I mean, how has your cricket king role adapted? And what, what are you what are you looking to do? Sort of next stage in your career going forward now. Yeah, I think certainly sports administration, the, the PCA chairman role has given me so much. It's given me a lot of headaches and a few grey hairs, that's for certain, with the sort of things that have gone over, so particularly over the last 12 months. But um, it's opened my eyes to a, to a new world, really. The boardroom, I suppose, apart from the uh, – is a different different place to the change room and um, and out on the cricket field. But it's something I've really enjoyed and I've enjoyed the challenges I've found certain things very satisfying when you get things over the line and get things done as well. I mean, it wasn't, I always thought I'd go into coaching, but I think certainly the last four years as chairman's taken me away from that and more down the, down the sports admin route. I've done a bit of work experience at the RFU and at Everton actually as well in their sort of commercial department. So I think that's probably the, probably the way I'm going to go once, once the, uh, once I eventually hang up the boots, which in the in reality is not going to be in the too distant future. I wouldn't have thought. No. No, no, maybe, but maybe a role for your villa sometime in the sometime. That'd in the be nice, maybe. yeah. That that yeah. would be good, definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. That's for sure. Nice segue on, I suppose, to to Villa. We haven't we haven't really talked about them yet. Obviously, this is an Aston Villa podcast. We've been talking. I could sit here and talk about <laughs> cricket forever. Really, I should maybe start a cricket podcast. Oh, for that. Believe me, I'd much rather talk about the Villa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I suppose let's talk about COVID first. Then we'll talk about you. You're you're growing up as a Villa fan and how that was, but and some of your memories, but. We've talked about COVID, we've talked about your role as PCA chairman and how you've had to deal with the headaches. Obviously, Villa have been massively impacted by, by COVID, both in a good way and, and in, a, in a bad way, I suppose, recently. In a good way, firstly, obviously, last season, you know, I think without COVID, then we probably don't survive. Um, let's, let's, let's be honest, you know, that, that gave us time to, time to reflect. This season, uh, Dean Smith's been on uh, Villa TV, I think it was today or yesterday, Talk about COVID, uh, he mentioned that uh, initially six players and three staff tested positive and then another four, uh, I think it was three players and one one member of staff tested positive a couple of days later and they've had to obviously isolate, all sci-fi isolate for, for 10 days and uh, impacted the game against the Liverpool game, which was a couple of days later. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens going forward and who's been affected. We don't know, uh, apart from Trez, who said he's been affected. I don't think anyone, we don't know about anyone else uh, yet. But let's look back at that Liverpool game. We, Villa Talks podcast, haven't, I think the last time we were on was uh, previewing the, the Liverpool game, which uh, obviously changed dramatically about two hours after I released <laughs> the episode. Uh, let's talk about that game first. Uh, well, I mean, what did you think of the the Young Lions performance in, against Liverpool in the FA Cup? Oh, it, was, it was good to watch, wasn't it? I mean, I must admit, I've, I certainly feared the worst, particularly when the team sheets come out with the with the side Liverpool put out. I thought this could be a long night, but that that first forty five minutes was certainly one to remember, wasn't it? I thought they they hung in there, they defended brilliantly, and could play as well. When we got the ball, we managed to knock it around. I thought they showed good composure, and then obviously Louis Barry is the man on sort of everyone's lips at the moment with the the cool finish and 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 to to bring it to one each. But I think 
ultimately you look look at it with a bit of pride and there's some there's some good players there there's no doubt that they all won't make it will they into the into the villa first team on a regular basis but if three or four can can have an impact for us i think um that experience against liverpool certainly stand them in good stead uh, yeah and i think a lot of what mainstream media especially didn't realize was probably at least five or six of our best under 23 players weren't playing even because they were training with the first team so the likes yeah. of Philogene Bades, uh, Carney Chukawemeka, uh, Tyreek Wright, the goalkeeper, I can't remember his name now, he's gone out on loan, um, was probably our best goalkeeper and the 23 goalkeeper wasn't there. Plenty of players, Aaron Ramsey, Jacob Ramsey, obviously the Ramsey brothers, they weren't playing. So it was really us, almost our second string under 23 side as well that, that did that. I mean, were, were there, who, who were the sort of the, the players that stood out for you on, on, on last Friday night? Uh, obviously Louis Barry we mentioned him he scored but who else who, who yeah did you the, obviously the goalkeeper did well I thought he looked calm and composed in obviously what was um, I think he's Hungarian isn't he or something I think so I think, yeah, yeah. I think he, was so, a, he, was, he was a Liverpool yeah. um, on trial and didn't make it so yeah he, he, he was um, I thought he, he looked calm and composed as well obviously he was sort of barrage of shots <laughs> from your, your Salas etc but so I thought he looked good um, Louis Barry obviously that was a, a quality finish wasn't it I like the lad Rowe as well so I thought they all they all did well, didn't they? And they all 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 put their names up in lights for a, for a brief brief period of time. And just hope they go on to have some good careers. I'm sure most of them will go on on to have decent careers, not necessarily at the Villa, but I'm sure wish them all the all the very best. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think obviously there's a a big commitment by the owners and the uh, Perslow as well in terms of the academy setup and trying to revamp that. We haven't had the best of. Uh, well, I haven't had the best track record of, of late, apart from obviously Jack coming through. Um, so it'd be good to get a few players in the first team, obviously. And it helps it helps the owners as well because they then have to, they can supplement the first team and don't have to spend as much much money as they have done over the recent past. Yeah, definitely. I think it helps. It, I think the fans appreciate it, don't they, as well? You certainly get behind sort of one of your own sort of thing. And um, uh, dare I say, they probably get a little bit more leeway with the odd mistake from the whole end if uh, if you are a local boy and you've come through the ranks. And um, yeah, I think that can help help the team in the long run as well. So I suppose before we go into the Man City game, looking ahead to that, um, you always supported Villa. How, what, what were your sort of early memories of Villa, being a Villa fan? I guess Ron Atkinson was probably my sort of first manager, sort of first era that I sort of recall. I remember, I remember the um, first year of the Premier League coming second, uh, I think it was, was it Oldham we lost to right at the end that sort of almost put the final nail in the coffin. Really. I think it probably it was gone before that, wasn't it? So a vague sort of recollection was that. I mean, I was probably about nine or ten then. Um, and then winning the, um, was it Coca-Cola Cup when we beat United? In the, they had, they had Cup, the yeah. yellow and yeah. green shirts, didn't they then? Conchalsis punched it off the line. Yeah, so I remember that. But I guess my sort of... Um, more clear um, recollections, probably the Brian Little era. I was actually on the um, Villa Academy for three years, or School of Excellence it was called then. Gary Shaw was my coach. Peter With was um, head of development or whatever it was. Um, so I used to go every week. Um, and um, so one of my one of my real memories was was Wembley and Savo sticking in the top corner from 30 yards. I mean, I mean watched him all season, put it at the back of the whole end or the top of the north stand <laughs> um, to, to rifle in the, in the top bag from... Uh, in then in well where, when it really counted in that in that final that was that was a, that was a special moment certainly I've been told you're a bit of a bit of a football player as well a midfielder midfield maestro I've been told <laughs> yeah I was I was I mean I no no I, I don't think I was ever going to threaten being a professional footballer I was in Villa for three years but there's probably thirty kids in my age group and I was definitely in the bottom ten if not bottom five to be perfectly honest just to, just in my age group alone I knew that but. Um, it was a great fun, great experience going up to Bollymore Heath and training and, and, and playing and putting on the shirt in a few games. I didn't get selected that often, if I'm honest. I got a few games here and there. But um, yeah, and I played a lot of local football, really. I played for Littleton in the Midland Commons, it was then. And um, kids' football was sort of obviously cricket took over as I got older and um, yeah, took precedent. Certainly, once we got up to sort of um, 12 month contracts, that was the end of my, uh, end of my football, unfortunately. Do you manage to go to many Villa games th- these days? Or yeah, yeah, I still still go as much as I can. Obviously, season that's, uh, probably should have put this in one one. Actually, the cricket season overlapping the football uh, as <laughs> yeah. much as it does, which is a bit of a bit of a pain. So you miss sort of the first few in the in the back few. But yeah, I try and get up as much as I can. I've got a I took my little boy up last year, the first game against um, Southampton East Six now as well. So yeah, I probably I probably do somewhere between eight and ten a year. I'd say I, I we always have there's five of us who always try and get get hold of some tickets for an away game and have a jolly boys out for one game as well so uh, yeah I enjoy those 
like like it. What's been what's been some of your? I mean, you talked about the Brian Little era and that, that Wembley, uh, that uh, Coca-Cola Cup, a couple of Coca-Cola Cup wins. Obviously, our last major trophies. Uh, what else have been some of your highlights or some of your favourite players over over the the years? Well, oh, it's been there's been a lot really. I mean, I loved um, John Carew was one of my big favourites. Um, I don't know why, really. I just sort of had that affinity with the fans, didn't he? And uh, yeah, I loved anyone who was in the Rocket Club at two o'clock in the morning, like before a game, I suppose, is all right with me. So he was one. Carlos Coelho as well, that similar era to John, was uh, was a big fan's favourite. Loved his song. Um, I remember one of the best games, certainly the best away day I had, was, uh, was at Goodison where Sidwell scored in the first 30 seconds. And um, I went with a lad called Chris Whelan who was playing for Worcester then. He's a big Evertonian. Um, I managed to get tickets for the for the away end, so we scored after thirty seconds, and then obviously Lescott scored equalised in the last minute to make it two each. Pretend to throw his shirt right in front of me, actually, into the <laughs> crowd, and then Ashley Young went and uh, scored the other end, sort of four or five minutes into injury time. So that was that was a special away day for me. Really, really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever celebrated a goal as much as that. Yeah, that was up there. The Coca Cola, uh, it wasn't the Coca Cola. It might have been the Carling Cup by then. The, semi-final against Blackburn I went to the away leg and then we won 1-0 that, that that end was bouncing that day I'll never forget that because we had the whole end there's probably more Villa than Blackburn there I reckon in that semi-final first leg at Ewood and then the I think was it 6-2 I think the return leg as well 6-4 6-4 so yeah that obviously went to both legs of those that was they were they were pretty pretty special memories as well I enjoyed the Martin O'Neill we played some good football didn't we, we had some good players yeah. and Plenty of pace in the team with you young and your uh, Bonhorst down. It was that kind of Milner was outstanding when he played in the middle as well, wasn't he, in that period? So yeah, those those they were good good days as well. Yeah. Well, I talk talking about obviously uh, Dean Smith just won Manager of the Month, the first manager Villa managed to win it since Martin in two thousand and ten, April two thousand and ten. Wow. So shows you how bad we've been over the last ten or so years. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been pretty poor, hasn't it? But sort of on the decline. Although I, I I enjoyed the couple of years in the championship. It was it was obviously after the sort of I guess we sort of went went downhill rapidly, didn't we? After O'Neill left, it was like a gra- I suppose a gradual decline, really. I suppose for for a number of years, it was pretty soul destroying, wasn't it? And then um, I thought Bruce did okay to turn it around because we were on a slippery slope. And then obviously Dean came in and that sort of ten on the spin, and then getting us up in the playoffs. That they were yeah. Good memories as well. I mean, I enjoyed the championship. You never knew what was going to happen, did you? Home or away, you knew you could win or lose, what or draw. Uh, sometimes it gets a bit stale in the prem. Probably not so much this year, actually, because there's been a lot of odd results, haven't there? But normally, it's sort of, you know, if you're going away to Man City or if you're going away to Anfield, you, you're, you're probably battling to get anything from those games. Whereas in the championship, every game was, uh, you felt like you could win or lose or or, or get a point. What have you made of the uh, the turnaround? Obviously, last year we talked about COVID and how it sort of saved us. Oh, well, helped save us anyway. This year, I mean, completely different team. Uh, the way that we performed, doing so well this season. What have you, what have you made of it? Yeah, it's been brilliant, hasn't it? I mean, I thought, I mean, I think we were, we were a little bit unlucky at times last year. I think the injuries. John McGinn. I was at the Southampton game with with my lad. I just said when John McGinn got injured, that was a nasty one. I think that was a huge loss for us. Obviously, Wesley was starting to find his feet, and and Tom Heaton both got injured on New Year's Day, which was was which was tough. I mean. The reality is that Samatu come in wasn't good enough, was he? So to score the goals and stuff, so it was it was a tough period. So to get out of it, I thought they did did extremely well, and to to survive with a little bit of luck with the goal line technology in the in the Sheffield um, Sheffield United game. But yeah, I thought it's been obviously been a huge turnaround. I mean, obviously there was a big big influx of players in that year, and I, it frustrates me a bit when all the sort of pundits don't do their research properly and say what a load of money wasted in that year. If you look at the spine of the side now, there are a lot of those players that we did bring in for last year are still playing a, a really important role in, in the squad at least, or not or most of them in the side. I mean, you people like your, your Konzas, your Mings, um, Matt Target's having a good season this year, isn't he? Uh, Douglas Louise has been, been a, turned out to be a fantastic sign and all those players are part of those 13 that came in. It just took them a little bit of time to find their feet and we've we're, Arguably a little bit fortunate to stay up, but once once we did that, I think um, yeah, the only way is up this year, isn't it? And added added four or five real quality to to what we had as well. Um, obviously, Barkley had an impact originally, um, but we haven't missed him too much, have we? Since he's been out injured, but I, I'd imagine he'll be back now or shortly, certainly. Um, Trara always seems to seems to be finding feet, and I love. Uh, the energy that Ollie Watkins brings. I know he's probably missed a few chances in recent weeks and not not stuck it away, but 
I don't think you'll get too many complaints of Villa fans with the shift that he puts in from uh, from start to finish, doesn't he? His, his engine's phenomenal and uh, and does hell of a lot of work off the ball for us, even when he's not sticking stick in the net. And if he keeps getting in positions, I'm sure he'll find a few more goals as well. Yeah, no, spot on, I think. And you're completely right about the, the signings from last year. I mean, really, the only signings that haven't worked out are probably the January short-term signings that we made. The likes of Borgia Basta and Rayner and oh, Rayner obviously did a job, but yeah, you know, the drink water and obviously Samata's gone as well. So I mean, really, if you look at the summer signings, there's not they're all they're all still still, still involved, there. Really, I mean, yeah, Hurahan's been good for us. Oh no, he was he was before that, wasn't he? But yeah, I think there's. I suppose you could argue Freddie Gilbert probably hasn't done done enough, but um, obviously that Matty Cash has come in and sort of took his place, but. Nakamba's done okay when he's played. He's, he's decent enough backup for Louise, isn't he? So there's not too many that you'd argue have been um, really poor signings, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, right. I think, you know, it always takes time for players to bed in and especially when we bought so many players and obviously we had to buy those that many players because of uh, the depleted squad that we had. Now we've uh, supplemented that with that quality you talk about. Ollie Watkins is a, you know, we've talked about him plenty of times on the podcast. I'm such a massive fan of him. You know, I, I know he, he has got a little bit of stick, not too much, but a little bit of stick about, you know, his, his sort of goal scoring. But, you know, end of the day, he's still scored, uh, chipped in with goals, chipped in with assists. But I think it's more about his overall play and how that's helped us as a team. You know, there's no there's no way that we do as well as we've done without Ollie Watkins and how he stretches defences and what he does and how he works the, the opposition centre-backs. Yeah, absolutely. His pace is running behind, he runs the channel as well. And he, he's strong as well, isn't he? He holds the ball up. You can fire it into him. He seems to get hold of it and, and lay it off to, to one of the guys coming behind. So, yeah, no, I'm full of... Full of praise of him. He's, um, I must admit, when the 30, was it 30 million or 28 million when it was all came out, I thought, well, that's a bit steep for someone who's never played in the Prem. There's always a question mark, isn't there, if you haven't haven't played in the Premier League? But he's obviously um, come in and hit, hit the ground running with that that hat trick against Liverpool. And um, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's been a big player for us and very shrewd sign. I think he's probably worth a lot more than that uh, 28 million now than what we paid in the summer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's been plenty of players bought for a lot of money that haven't worked out in the Premier League and to see. Ollie Watkins to hit the ground running, as you say, it's been fantastic. I mean, looking at, looking forward now, obviously the January transfer window, we've got another, what, 23 games left uh, of the season. I'm going to have to cram them in uh, somehow. We've got Man City Wednesday, Newcastle Saturday. That, so that will put us back to having one or two games on in hand against the uh, other teams. Looking ahead, I mean, what, what, how do you think, how well do you think Aston Villa can do this season? And, and, in, in terms of the January transfer window, what would be your strategy going forward? Would you would you sort of try and go for it or would you be content with what we got and see how we do? I, I think it all depends what comes up, doesn't it? You don't want to uh, waste your money on on average players. I think if there's some a little bit of quality here and there, you probably need uh, somebody in... Uh, if, if Ollie Watkins does get injured, there's not a lot of backup there at the moment, is there? Um, I know there's talk about Keenan Davis going out on loan, which I don't think would be a bad thing if you can get get somebody else in. I'm not sure how far away Wesley is, but it's going to take him time again to get to get going after 12 months out, isn't it? So, um, yeah, maybe a striker, um, more as a backup than than a, than a frontline player, maybe. Um, other than that, I've been really impressed with the with the, with the back four. I think we're probably going to need another left back at some point. That might be one for the summer because I don't think Taylor's going to continue. You need a backup for for Target or someone to com- compete with Target for that left back spot at some point, but. I've been really impressed with Mings and Konza, really impressed with Courtney Hawes when he came in. I thought he was outstanding. Um, so we're pretty, pretty set, really, I think. Obviously, Heaton's back now as competition with Martinez in, in goal. So, um, yeah, we're, we're looking in, in, a, in a pretty good place, really. So I don't think we need necessarily need anything, but if there is a, if there is a top player out there, then we, it sounds like we've got, we've got a few quid to spend if needs be. Why wouldn't you add it uh, when you got the chance? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think. Uh, I mean, you're, you're completely right with the squad as well. I think um, there was a there was a bit of concern from a lot of people, myself included, about the squad. Thinking, you know, if we get a couple of injuries, you might struggle. But we've seen with Al Ghazi coming in, coming in, House coming in, uh, Traore obviously stepping up finally after uh, you know taking his time to sort of bed in. You know, we've actually got a decent squad yeah. there. I mean, uh, Trezeguet will be back shortly. I thought as well. He actually started the year well, didn't he? I thought obviously his goals helped keep us up last year as well, and so he's another one to come into the mix. Yeah, definitely. So there's there's plenty of competition there. I think I think those two. I think the areas that you talk about left back and, and centre forward are, are, are key. Uh, left back, yeah, I, I'd probably wait till summer because it's so difficult. January mm. window, so difficult yeah. to buy. Centre forward is a worry unless, like I said, Wesley. I mean, the, the the management team will know better than us in terms of Wesley and his development and how far away he is. But I don't. I, I mean, I, I really like Ian Davis. I think he brings a lot to the team. But you do need something more. I think. 
Um, yeah, agree. Then, then that I think you need goals, don't you? End of the day. Yeah, and he's still young, isn't he? He's still time to develop, and obviously, hopefully, go out and go out on loan, get a few goals, that confidence, and sometimes he can turn you into a different player, can't it? Yeah. So, the, but the strongest link we've had this season, oh, this sorry, this January transfer window has been Morgan Sanson from uh, Marseille, midfielder, box to box player. Um, well, uh, and an interesting one, really. Someone we've been linked with before, I think under the Paddy, Paddy Riley days, I think we were linked with him as well. Um, and it, an interesting one because the midfielder, I, I've I've been championing a midfielder replacement or, or squad player to come in this window because I think we're a bit weak there because, you know, if Louise or McGinn get injured or Barkley gets injured, yes, you know, Grealish can shift and uh, shift and play number 10 uh, instead of Barkley. But I think apart from McGinn and Louise, we are a bit weak. And Camber, like I said, have done all right. But Harahan's obviously out of favour. Potentially, he'll go out on loan, and maybe that will be that will be it for him. Uh, Jacob Ramsey's obviously done well, but still a young lad. Uh, I mean, do you think midfield is an area of concern? Yeah, I mean, I like I do like Jacob Ramsey. I think he's going to be a very good player. But like you say, he is a young lad. Connor, I like. I like. I mean, he's got good quality, hasn't it? Set piece ball, his passing. It just just feels like he's a lack, lack of legs in midfield when he when he plays. If I'm if I'm being brutally honest, and, and probably doesn't get. He's probably not mobile enough. For, for the, certainly if you're replaced and trying to look to replace McGinn who's the exact opposite of that isn't he who seems to be like a Duracell bunny everywhere so um, yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that I don't be honest with the lad from Marseille I don't know too much about so it's very it's difficult for me to comment on him really to be perfectly honest yeah it's, it's one I mean, I've seen him play a few times I, was, I, was, I kept a close eye on him after we linked with him before and uh, it's fair to say he's had a, a bit like Bertrand Traore really he's um, he's had a not an, he's had a sort of a up and down time of it of late uh, although he had a good season a couple of years ago uh, I think he scored nine goals so he's very much a box-to-box player but more attacking than defensive and uh, it's an interesting one I don't I don't know whether he's going to be a Barkley alternative or a replace a Barkley alternative or a competition for Barkley I think actually he's probably more likely to be McGinn competition uh, because he plays that kind of role so it'd be interesting to see he's, he's very good going forward quite uh, quite decent with the ball good dribbler uh, and decent in attacking third. I'm not sure. Defensively, he's okay. It, do, it does put in a, a shift in terms of tackles from what I've seen. But like I said, I've only seen him maybe a handful of times. Um, so it's hard if, to if, say. If you know. he has got the quality, I guess, and, and you get him in now, it takes a little bit of the pressure off around Barkley and trying to make that permanent in the summer, doesn't it? I suppose as well. If it probably can't, maybe not how to ransom quite as much by Chelsea. If you've got if you've got other options in there already, then I guess might help uh, help with that, that negotiation maybe. Yeah, I suppose it shows you the competition we're we're uh, sorry the sorry the competition the standard we're playing at uh, and we're trying to attain. Um, you know, looking at Morgan Sampson, who's probably going to be worth about maybe anywhere between fifteen and twenty million quid, I reckon. Um, bringing him as competition for for the midfield places rather than someone like Conor Harahan, who's obviously been a great servant for the club, but cost about one and a half million something like that, and is very much a lower lower table Premier League maybe top half Championship player, I think in reality. Um, so. Bodes well, I think, going forward in the future in terms of next season and hopefully looking to add that quality in the, in the competition. Yeah, and, I absolutely. Mean, it shows good ambition, doesn't it? And like yeah. you say, the, I mean, the owners have come in and been a breath of fresh air, haven't they, with the, with the money they've been prepared to spend and the backing they've been prepared to give give um, give Smith and, uh, and and the club. So, yeah, it's been it's been great to see. I mean, before we t- touch on the Man City game, I mean, how, how I, I've sort of asked already in sort of... Uh, uh, I know it's a difficult one, but where where do you think Villa? How well do you think Villa can do this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I said at the start of the year, all you're looking for is progress, isn't it? And and obviously from seventeenth, I mean, I was I was hoping that we'd avoid any sort of relegation battle at all, which we seem to be well on track for that. So probably my my ambitions have sort of gone gone past that already. So I think if we, if we can finish in the top half, I do think it's still a, it it would be a good season no matter what, but. We're with where we're at the moment and, and the way we're playing. I mean, the Man United game, obviously, we got beat, but I thought we were outstanding that second half and could have quite easily got something at Old Trafford and they're obviously top of the league. So why not Why not aim high? I mean, I'd, I'd love a couple of trips into Europe next uh, next season. That, that would be nice, wouldn't it, if we That'd could nice. uh, sneak yeah. into the European League? It'd be nice after not being able to watch the team and not go to the ground to, to come back next season and be able to go to Europe and have those trip away day trips would be amazing, definitely. And you know, I think it's achievable, yeah. definitely. It all depends on injuries and a bit of luck and how COVID affects us as well. Because we don't, at the moment, we don't know which players are impacted or not. Uh, Smith sort of alluded that one or two players did have symptoms and one was one was bedridden. Uh, but he did say a few of the other players were asymptomatic. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I think if at the start of the year, year you'd have took somewhere in the middle, wouldn't you? But if... Uh... Never happy are we football fans? You always want to keep going for <laughs> yeah. more, and, and like yeah. I say, if we get into Europe, that would be absolutely brilliant. 
Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I remember, I mean, under Martin O'Neill, obviously three top six finishes, even then it was sort of like, you know, we could have done better. We always thought, I think. And then now you'd take that in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? So it shows you yeah, how absolutely. expectations change over time. But um, looking ahead to the Man City game, obviously that'll be our next game. Hopefully we have a fully fit squad as much as possible. Uh, Man City, we both have the game on in the background. Yeah. Seeing them beat Crystal Palace and walk, walk to a 4-0 victory now, the second in the table. 35 points after 17 games, one game in hand against uh, Man United, who are top. And and reality could go top against uh, if they beat us on, on Wednesday. So they've got the uh, motivation there, which is something we didn't want. I was hoping for a few injuries or something like that. It doesn't seem like they had any. and seems like a bit of a walk in the park, unfortunately, for us. But how do you, how do you see that game? And uh, how do you think Smith will, will set up against Man City? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a training ground exercise, really, for them, wasn't it? It looked like today against Palace. But, um, I mean, they're, they're coming in some form, aren't they? They're on a good run now. And uh, they're not conceding any goals. That's that's the worry as well. They, normally, City, when they're playing well, they still concede a few here and there, but they're not conceding goals. And they just banged in four today. So, yeah, I mean, I, I remember I went to, I was at Villa Park when they beat us last year. Was it 5 1, 6 1, whatever it was? 6 1, yeah. Um, it was actually quite impressive to watch. Obviously, you, you still swearing and, and spitting and not but not very happy at the time but the, the way they pressed the intensity they played where they just they just battered Villa for that in that first half it was um, but like I say it was quite impressive the, the way they played the way De Bruyne in particular got the ball and, and fizzed them all about it was it was something I haven't seen too much of uh, watching football live previously so I was a little bit of an awe so unfortunately it looks like they're getting somewhere back to near their best I watched them earlier in the season and it didn't look like that pressing game and that intensity was there um, unfortunately, it does look like it's just drifting back into their game, so it could be um, it could be a difficult evening. But having said that, look, we've we've beat Liverpool, haven't we? We've uh, um, put in some good performances down at Chelsea and obviously Man United recently. So um, there's no reason. I think he will have a go. I think we're always a threat on the attack, uh, on the counter attack. So with the pace we've got in the side, and um, if we can defend well and, and and offer that threat going forward, you never know. But if I mean, the reality is, if you come away with uh, with a point there you'd be absolutely over the moon wouldn't you yeah yeah it's a bit weird one see last year uh look back to that game and it was uh i mean we obviously beat them in the, we lost them in the league cup final as well so uh we're due a win definitely uh um and it's just just our luck isn't it that they've come into form a bit like my united as well they they all seem to be in good form when they play us as well or, or start their good form when they play us it's just one of those things but you know, Man City have won, I don't know how many, the last five or six games, I think, in the league. Um, so they're on a massive run. Yeah, they're up to second well. after that win tonight. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're right um, right in the mix of the title race, aren't they now? And yeah. Like I say, this sort of business end of the season is when they tend to come good. Yeah, you talk about the defence as well. I think DS and John Stones have... Uh, put together a good partnership there and seem to be on uh, on a bit of a run together so it's be interesting if we because Guardiola does like to rotate now and again his team so it'll be interesting if they if they go for the same team or not or, what, or we try to shift maybe Foden coming in yeah I mean I've got John Stones in my fantasy team so I hope he plays certainly so um, <laughs> but yeah he's obviously bagged a couple of goals as well tonight which is unusual yeah, but, um, unusual yeah it's a good, good pick for the fantasy team good pick yeah I was happy with that one um, but yeah, I mean they're 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 playing well, aren't they? And obviously, it's almost irrelevant who they pick because they've they've got they have got two teams, haven't they? So, uh, I'd like to say that 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 Stones the ass partnership looks looks rock solid at the moment. Um, so uh, yeah, it could be a tough evening, but hopefully we go and give a good account of ourselves. But I suppose apart from COVID, I suppose we should be relatively fresh. Really, it should be hopefully plenty of miles on the legs for the lads to do some running around. Yeah, well, that's the big caveat, isn't it? I think, I mean, if any team, any Villa team could get a result or a draw against Man City away, then it's this Villa team, given how well we've done this season and away from home, especially. But the big caveat is is COVID. You know, we don't know. Smith said in his interview that it's going to be a sort of a staggered return for some players. So some players will be back from Man City, some players will be back from Newcastle. So we'll see what happens. It looks like, from what I could see, looking at stalking the players' Instagram account, it seems like Grealish, Dougie Louise, Mings, and Martinez weren't when suffering from it uh, or, or asymptomatic one or the other. So at least we've got our spine there, which is the, the good thing. Ollie Watkins is the only one I'd be concerned about because I think he's so important for us up front. But apart from that, I think we can, we can sort of, uh, we can, you know, we can make do with, with players in the squad. Yeah. We have well, I, mean, I guess the worry is with the, with the virus is it lingers. I think it's a couple of lands up at Newcastle that have struggled and there to come back in terms of, I think Lachelle's is one. Lachelle's and, uh, and else. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So they've struggled with sort of ongoing, sort of 
issues with their breathing, etc. So hopefully there's a, a, there's none of that. We certainly don't need that, do we? Yeah, yeah, that's the big worry. And hopefully, I mean, the, the main priority, obviously, with all of this is making sure the players are safe and healthy and their families are safe and healthy as well. That's the priority end of the day. Football becomes secondary almost to, to what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, around the world. So, but, you know, we'll be back Wednesday. Hopefully we'll be back with a post-match review of the Man City game. And then straight away, we've got two days, two or three days later, sorry, Newcastle game, which uh, is definitely one you look at to, to try and win. And hopefully, it may be Smith will try and rest a few and, and maybe give him a bit more time for the Newcastle game, which is obviously a, a game that we should really win. What's your what's your prediction then looking ahead to this week, the Man City and Newcastle game? We haven't really talked about the Newcastle game, but not much to say really until we know a bit more about what the team's going to be like and who's back. But what do you, what do you think about the Man City game firstly and what do you think we'll do? Yeah, I'd like to say tough, tough game, but I, I can't predict us getting beat, can I? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for, a, I'm gonna go for a two-two. Two, two, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Go for a two-two. Hit him on the break a couple of times, and um, yeah, stopping Man City scoring less than two is not, not, not easy, is it? So uh, yeah, we'll go for, we'll go for two-two on that one. I thought that actually Crystal Palace started the game pretty well today. Um, watching early on, they were they did break quite well, and they just if they had a bit more quality in the final third, which obviously we do have. Uh, with the likes of Jack and Barkley and McGinn. Well, that was Zaha tonight as yeah. well, wasn't they? Which, which obviously is a he's, a he's a major threat for them, isn't he? Pain in the arse to, for opposition fans and teams, isn't he? But <laughs> yeah, he's been on a bit, a bit of a moan rate recently, hasn't he? So yeah, I've noticed. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Frust- frustrating to watch at times, but he, he's a bloody good player, unfortunately. Yeah, I'll take him. That the Villa team, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, he's the, right. Him, he's and, on your him team. and Jack, oh, <laughs> you'd love that, wouldn't you? But yeah, I think I think a draw is is uh, we have well, you have to go for a draw. Really, you can't go for a loss, like you said. But I think I think we've got you know it depends on the team, but we definitely got, we'll definitely have opportunities I think against Man City on the break, um, and then you know if we can get a point out of that that'd be amazing, and then try and beat Newcastle. But knowing us, knowing us, Villa, we'll probably beat Man City and then draw against Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, something Newcastle. like that. Yeah. But, uh, looking forward now, next segment of the show, our, our favourite segment of the show. Fans love it. Our listeners love it. It's Didier Six. Didier. Six. Right, Mitch, did yeah. six? So obviously you haven't played this before. So and for those listeners who are listening for the first time, um, the way the game works. So it's our version of Room One Hundred One. So uh, you have three opportunities, three picks of Villa-related things to go into it, and it can be anything really. We've had some absolute, uh, you know, proper. Some people have been reaching with some of their picks, you know, for it to be Villa related. Let's let's put it that way. But anything you can, anything you can, as long as you can link it back to Villa, it can go in, and we'll have an opportunity to go in. So you've got three picks. You have sixty seconds for each thing. So you give you give you give you a point across to why you think you should go in. Then we have a little debate, and then I decide. For each one that you get in, you get two points. So you got a possible of six points in total, and then you go on a on a scoreboard. And at the end of the season, you get a you get a prize. At the moment, we've got two people who are who've got managed to get six points out of six or three out of three picks. That's James Rushton uh, from the Birmingham Mail and Rod Humble, uh, former head of uh, EA Play, a big Villa fan in the States. So, uh, uh, so we'll see how you do. Um, if we obviously have, we've got a few people on on six out of six at the end of the season. We may have some sort of tie break, so win <laughs> the prize. But uh, how are you feeling for it? I'm all right. I, I, yeah, I, I like a moan. So it was difficult to narrow it down to three, to be honest. But I've got, I've got. <laughs> oh, you done, three you're doing well up. then. You haven't moaned at all on this, uh, on this part. <laughs> yeah. So fair play to you. Uh, but yeah, we wouldn't be a Villa fan without liking to moan. Right, let's start the clock then. So you're 60 seconds for the first one. You ready? Yeah. Starts now. So I'm gonna. My first pick is uh, is is Remy Guard, or that's probably a bit personal. Probably more more of the Remy Guard era, I would say. Um, shocking appointment. Um, I think obviously there was probably a, a downward spiral before before he took over. But I think he was certainly the final nail in the in the Premier League coffin for, for Villa. Um, I just thought his interviews were terrible. Um, didn't, didn't like him. Very uncharismatic, I would say, and, and not what I wanted from a, from a Villa manager. And obviously the results were appalling. I noticed um, Gabby Agbonlahal came out and slated him, didn't he, the other day on the, on Talk Sport as well. So uh, slated his methods. I think he called him toxic. So uh, I'd, go, I'd, I'd go along with, uh, with Gabby on that and uh, like to put the Remy Guard era into the uh, into room 101 please right okay well, well, well within the 60 second limit so well done uh, yeah interesting one 
Um, I'm surprised we haven't had this one already, to be honest. But it was just terrific yeah. viewing, wasn't yeah. it? It was just a depre- was. just was. a depressing time to be a Villa fan, unfortunately. Can, can just... we uh, can we uh, uh, add on the bolt on the Eric Black era onto that as well within the same era? That also was terrible as well. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Remy yeah. Gardia, obviously Tim Sherwood um, didn't start that season off very well, and then saw himself under uh, in the firing line and, and got sacked. Um, and then Remy Gard came in. Initially, you thought Remy Gard, you know, well thought of manager, played under Arsene Wenger at Arsenal. It was quite an exciting. He was at Leon, wasn't he? He did okay, yeah. I think. I think well, it was. Yeah, it he, just... was doing, he was doing quite well. It was quite an exciting pick. I think fans, a lot of uh, the hipster fans, were quite excited about him. Um, I didn't know too much about him, but it was quite exciting. I thought, you know, with so many French players in our team at that time, you thought actually this is not a bad pick. Maybe it might might work out quite well. But it never ever really got going, did it? You never never even got the new manager bounce. It was just a slow, painful death, wasn't it? It was just it was just awful, awful. I, I, mean, I do I do feel sorry for him slightly uh, because obviously that January transfer window. I think the likes of Debussy and some players in France we were linked with that we never got, and Randy Lennon obviously pulled the funding. So from that perspective, I. Uh, I think he. I think after that point, he was sort of, yeah, you know, he that was dead man walking, as they say. You know, he he just had enough, I think, and, and he didn't really inspire much confidence into the team, no. did he? At that he point, didn't inspire after anybody that. in his interviews, no. did he? It? it was just like dull. I think. I think if I'd, uh, if this was maybe a couple of weeks ago, I probably wouldn't put this in because I do think he was harshly dealt with in the January transfer window. But it was quite interesting recently. I think there was a couple of players. I think Gabby and Hutton might have been. But then again, you know, Gabby and Hutton, they didn't really, they weren't doing yeah, so well under him. So maybe it's not necessarily gospel. Thing, it's not necessarily gospel if it comes from Gabby, is it? But Or on talk sport, but. Yeah, true. Yeah. They both <laughs> said that the, um, the French players have uh, also said at the time that he'd be no good for the club. So it was quite interesting to hear that the French players say, no, no, we shouldn't be getting him. So that was quite, I, that's not something I've heard before. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I think that if you talk about, forget about Remy Gardner's person, that era, it just has to go in. It's, it's our worst era in modern times, I think. Obviously, some fans who are older have probably seen us in the lower divisions even further down. But I think for me as a fan, probably, you know, I started watching Villa similar time to you, Ron Atkinson era, probably not the first season, but the second season. Uh, in the Premier League that's when I first started watching so since then this has been that was definitely the worst ever era we've had so without a shadow of doubt it goes in right straight in yeah no issues with that one non-contentious pick I think that was a pretty straightforward one your second one time starts now Um, Villa playing lunchtime kickoffs um, in, in particular, Saturday lunchtime kickoffs. Super Sunday, I can sort of give you in terms of it's a bit of an institution, isn't it? Super Sunday, but Saturday lunchtime kickoffs. Just if you're a fan going to the game, um, it's difficult to have a beer. Trying to get to London for a twelve o'clock kickoff. We, we played Fulham one year, and I think we got in there about five five minutes before kickoff, and it's just just ruin, ruins your day out. I think three o'clock. Is obviously perfect. Even the five thirty evening kickoffs I can put up with uh, in terms of a day out watching the villa. But but lunchtime on a Saturday, I mean, you don't even get to watch it on telly because the kids are doing stuff and things. It's just just a too too busy period to be playing football, um, and it ruins your day out if you're going going on a away day. So Saturday lunchtime kickoffs have got to go for me. Yeah, all right. Yeah, it's an interesting one. This is not and one it's on BT before. as well. BT's yeah. crap in comparison to Sky Sports. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit weird one. And obviously all our games against, well, not, not recently because we haven't, haven't been in the same league in the last couple of seasons, but all our games against Blues obviously have been Saturday lunchtime kickoffs, I think, mm, just because Sunday, they don't want the trouble. I, I, I sort of get that. I can sort of get that, but it does it does ruin it for the fan, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Obviously because of ways. the trouble that's happened in yeah, the past. Yeah, I sort of understand it, it but yeah, understand it ruins it. But... it. The, the general ones, when you play Fulham away, it just ruins it, ruins it for ruins it for your supporter. It feels like you just had breakfast and and suddenly you're watching football. You're not really up for it. And I've never been yeah. to a Saturday lunchtime kickoff game. Uh, even the Blues when we beat them, I think it was would have been the game when Haran scored. And mm. um, is that what was that our second season? I think that was. Uh, even that, you know, we were comfortably beating Blues, and it still wasn't. Yeah, atmosphere is not the same. Completely agree. No one, no one gets going, do they? And no. it's not. But I mean, I don't drink or anything like that. But you know, you sort of feed off everyone else in terms of the atmosphere, don't you? And if the atmosphere is not there, if the whole end's not singing to its full voice, then it's not the same, is it? So yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. At the same time, we've had some good results Saturday lunchtime, so I can see it from that side and I understand why they do it. But I think the whole point around these kickoff times as well. I know it's different this year because obviously they're trying to get every game on TV, but 
just the way the way you know you two days before you have to you find out you have to travel to some random area in country and uh, traipse up there Friday night or whatever. It's just an absolute headache for fans. And, and there's no trains on the way back as well, you know, to get the last train back or anything like that. It's just a nightmare. So yeah, I think this one, I mean, I, I can't really argue against it because there's, there's no real benefit of having a Saturday lunchtime kickoff for me. I've got kids as well. It doesn't really help me. I can't really think of too many games off in the Birmingham City game. And even then, like I said, the atmosphere wasn't, it was it was still good, but it wasn't the same as it would be, say, on a normal three o'clock kickoff even. So, yeah, for that reason, I think, again, the non-contentious one goes straight in. So, well done, two out of two. I'm flying here. I love this. Doing well. Doing well. So your third pick, see if you can get three out of three. This, this, was, on the, this, uh, this, was, my, this was my banker as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling confident. Number three, go. Ross McCormack. So I, 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 at the time when we signed him, I thought in the championship, proven goal scorer, he's done done well at, at Leeds and Fulham and these other places. So I was quite excited by it. I thought, yeah, he could, he could go all right for us here. He could get us a few goals in, at that level. I never thought he'd be the one, if we did get back up, that he'd, he'd do it in the Premier League. But I thought at the time, and obviously it was a decent amount of money, 13 million or something, wasn't it? And, uh, and obviously on a decent wage as well. And then it just disappointed. I remember going to Molyneux and he missed from six yards ahead of that he should have scored. Every time I saw him, he just looked lazy. I thought he was overweight, fat. And then the whole gate thing, um, just picked up his check. Didn't seem bothered about playing for the Villa. Lack of, uh, a bit disrespect to the club, I felt. Um, and obviously to the manager in terms of not being able to get out of his gate as well. So I, I, I thought he was a bit disre- dis- disrespectful to our wonderful club. Um, didn't put a shift in whenever I saw him play anyway, and he was just complete failure, wasn't he? I can I can accept people not playing well as long as they run around and give it a, give it a good go. And we've had some crap over the years, but you respect them for for putting their heart and soul in, don't you? But but he he just didn't, as far as I was concerned. No, yeah, we get the feeling that that was his, like you said, big paycheck last, probably last big paycheck of his career. And, and that's what he got, you know. And that really, I think the the championship transfer fees spiraled out after that one as well, haven't they? So that seemed to set the set the tone as well with that. I don't really like the fact that Jack uh, Jack Grealish Jack seems to hang out with Ross as well a little bit. I don't think he's. I don't. I can't imagine that Ross is a good good influence on him, given what he's done with the club and how he's been off the pitch. So uh, I actually saw him once in the Tesco car park in Solihull, and. Um, he looked, he looked like Donald Trump. He was orange as anything. So obviously he'd been under the fake tan. And this was a couple of years ago. This was after he'd, I think he'd probably, I don't know, probably played in Australia or something like that. I don't, I don't know. But he hasn't done anything after leaving Villa. It's an easy one really, isn't it? I can't really argue against it. He's I'll be terrible, upset. terrible I'll be player. upset if you don't put this one in. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I, how, can, how can I not put him in? Because he was terrible for the club. He cost a lot of money. He didn't put a shift in. He probably did one or two good things. Uh, in games, I think Nottingham Forest, Nottingham Forest goal he's, against Nottingham Forest, he scored, I think, and maybe he scored another goal, set up a goal. I can't remember now, but apart from that, that was it really. I can't remember him doing much else, and just his general attitude and the way he was. Uh, you know, you can maybe some fans will say, "Oh, Bruce, let him out to dry or whatever," but you know, he never showed any commitment on the pitch when he was there, really, as well. So. Yeah, it's an easy one again, Mitch. Well done. Perfect. Three, you're on for three. You, I think you know how to play this game too. Well, you've, you've, you've played the game here. You've done well here. Uh, yeah, number three. So well done. Three out of three. Perfect. Happy days. Top, joint, joint top of the uh, of the leaderboard. We've got two two weeks in a row. We've had three people get three out of three. After waiting all season for, for someone to get it, we've... Uh, now I've got three at the top three. So, uh, sorry, three at the top of the leaderboard. So, well done. Uh, we're going to have to have some sort of tie break now at the end of the season. So I've, got, I've, got, I've got loads more to go. Don't worry about that. I'll save them. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we'll do something different. We might do a challenge or something. <laughs> maybe no recreate problems. a special goal or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll think of something. We'll think of something. Maybe maybe the listeners can, can give some suggestions. But, Mitch, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. Uh, thank you for your time. No, thank you for having me. It's been good fun. been great to talk about cricket. Like I said, I could have talked about that for ages. Uh but good to talk about your Villa memories, some of your favourite players, um, and obviously talk about this season as well. And then, uh, well done again for getting three out of three on uh, Didier Six. Well done. Brilliant. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks, uh, thanks everyone. Thanks for listening again. Like I said, we'll be back after Wednesday for the review, lockdown lowdown of the uh, Man City game. Chadzi and Juggs will be back with me uh, talking about that game. And then straight after that, we've got the Newcastle game. So we'll be back every few days. So uh, I know we've had a break for uh, uh, 10 days or a couple of weeks now, but 
yeah, you uh, be glad to know that we'll be back quite regularly in the next few weeks because I think we've got like six or seven games in about I don't know how many days, 15 days or something stupid like that. So it's going to be chock-a-block. Yeah, I've, I've actually enjoyed not playing because it means you can give all the dingles stick for losing the West Brom yesterday and stuff like that. <laughs> There's no, no chance of any comeback. It's no, no, brilliant. no. Mind the gap, eh? Mind the gap. <laughs> yeah, they've, had their, they've had their two or three years. Yeah, bubbles they? burst. Move on. <laughs> let's, hope, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Well, it's going to be an important period anyway, these next few games. So let's hope we do well and continue the, the momentum. But Mitch, thanks again for your time. Thanks for listening, Pleasure. everyone. Uh, remember, if this is the first time listening, please do subscribe and follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen on. Um, we're on all of them, Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. If you're on Apple, please leave us a review and rating. It really helps us out a lot. If you haven't checked it out yet, check out our Dwight York uh, interview on YouTube. Uh, we've had, I think, nearly 2,000 views on that one already. So it's been fantastic. Thank you for that. And thanks for listening again, everyone. Thanks again, Mitch. And uh, apart from that, up the villa. Up the villa. Cheers. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it.